0: High life, living life with more applications, and study through the book of James. Welcome to Cornerstone. Well, thank you for being here, everybody. As you can tell, we're in a series called High Life, living with more applications, and study through the book of James. Um, We have a few new people. I thank you for being here. We're glad that you're here. Um, Let's go ahead and start with prayer. We know that we need to pray. We really need to pray. Jesus, we love you very much. And we thank you so much for what you've done, God. And Jesus, I just pray that tonight we would really see that as we exalt you as Lord and Savior of our lives, we would see that you are glorious. We would see that you are... You can teach us how to be more like you. Heavenly Father, as we go through this passage, this passage is a highly debated one, God. It's one that many people are confused over, but I pray that Jesus, that you would part the clouds of confusion in our minds, that you'd help us to worship you with our attention span for the next few moments as we dive into the truth of your word. And God, we open up our hearts to be to look into the word like a mirror that we can be changed, we can know what to change, Lord. And Heavenly Father, I just pray with every hint of conviction, there would be a sweet encouragement that takes place, God. And that, God, we'd realize that what we're lacking in our hearts, the purpose that we're seeking for those of us that are here and and don't have purpose, that we find that in you, Jesus, and that comes when we declare you as Lord, when we accept salvation, God. And may we understand that clearly tonight, Heavenly Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in this series called iLife, living with more applications. Now, if you haven't been here, the reason we're calling it that is because we live in a world that says there's an app for that, but there's really a difference between knowing there's an application and living with that application. So we're going to live with that application tonight, just as we've been doing. We're in James, the second chapter of the book of James. Now, last week we talked about, we looked at how James talks about Mercy and judgment. He compares the two to one another. And if you haven't memorized any scripture thus far in this series, I encourage you to memorize this. James chapter 2 verse 13 says, mercy triumphs over judgment. Four words. You can all do it. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Repeat after me. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Okay, memorize that. What that says pretty much is God is awesome and we're lame, okay? What that says is that mercy is when God does not give you what you deserve. Judgment is when we get what we deserve. So that means God would rather not give you what you deserve than give you what you deserve. That's great news. That's awesome, Now, keep that in the forefront of your mind because what we get in tonight may not seem as cool. (laughs) Oh, praise God. This is a great passage. It's highly debated. We saw that James starts the second chapter by talking about mercy and judgment. Now, he continues in verses 14 through 26, and he talks about faith and deeds, okay? Faith and deeds. And you think, man, this guy might have Alzheimer's. He was talking about mercy and judgment, now faith and deeds. No, it flows with one another, Talks about faith and deeds. This is interesting. And if that bothers you, I want you to know we're going to take this journey together tonight because it bothered many people. In the 1540s, for you history buffs, James was almost kicked out of the Bible, okay? James was almost declared as not a right book to be in the Bible. In fact, some people declared it as apocryphal literature, literature that should not be in the Bible. Then that didn't work, so they declared it as non-canonical literature. The Bible's called the canon, and they're trying to say that's not supposed to be in there, but it's here. James is in here. So if these people live today, yeah, they would hate this series, but if they roll in their graves, I don't care. We're here, and this is something I really believe God wants to challenge us with tonight. He wants to change us with And so let's look at James chapter 2, okay? The title of the message tonight is Faith Without Works, Does It Work? Faith Without Works, Does It Work, okay? Faith Without Works, Does It Work? Let's get into the book of James chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 14. What is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but he has no works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Let's stop there. There is a type of faith that James is describing, and it's a faith that I, we're going to go over three types of faith I'm not going to apply the first two types of faith. Why? Because the first two types of faith are faith that we should not have. They're faith that if we do have, we want to detach ourselves, and we want to change it to the last type of faith James gets to. I'm going to explain it. I want us to understand the idea, but we don't want to apply it to our lives, so I'm not going to apply it here. I want you to understand the first type of faith that James talks about is dead faith. Dead faith. He says faith without works is dead. The verses 14 through 17 that we just read really serve as a bracket. It really describes what people are going through and this is what, what people are going through and this is the way James describes it. He starts it off by saying, my brethren. Now, it would be good if I read this and it was like to the sinners of the world, to the heathens, yes, I'd read this and smile the whole way through. No, it says my brethren. Oh, junk, that's not good for us. That's saying the people in the church, James was writing this to the people in the church, saying people in the church, listen. He says, what good is faith? If it has not, works. Now, works, I don't know if that's really the best word here. When you look at the Greek, again, you know how much I don't know how to pronounce the Greek. But when you look at the Greek, the Greek should really be interpreted as deeds. Not so much as work, as deeds. Works are really what the law, what you can do with the law. Deeds are, it is an act of gratitude because of the righteousness that Jesus Christ has placed inside of us. So... James is saying it is possible to have a faith that is dead. It is possible to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and not be saved. Now, please, let me clarify this, okay? You're going to stone me. Please, let me clarify this. It's possible because... James says if there's truly something that takes place in your heart, salvation, which you cannot do. There's no work that can do that. But it is by the Lord Jesus Christ. What he did on the cross, he swapped his righteousness for our sin. So we are seen in the righteousness of God. When we receive that, yes, we are saved immediately. But if that is only what you understand and what, that you like that idea, if that's only an intellectual connection with God, if that's it, James says, then that's dead faith. If that's it, if that's the extent of your faith, that's dead faith. If it's just superficial lip service saying, I profess Jesus Christ, but I really don't live out what he says. If that's what, that's what he talks about when he says works, what we should understand to be deeds, when he says that, that is not true faith. Yes, it's possible. Not only is it possible it was happening, it happens and it will happen at the great white judgment. Because Matthew 7 says there are people, there will be people who go to. They'll say, I cast out demons in your name. I healed the sick in your name. But Jesus doesn't know them. Why? Because they never surrendered all of them. They never declared Jesus as Lord in, in their actions, in their heart, in their will, in, those, in the soul, the, the very being of who they are. They never did that. It was only they liked the idea of Jesus, and that was enough. And they thought that that would save them. That liking the idea of Jesus and just professing him is just not enough. Now, there are different, uh, I want you to understand there are not different types of salvation. That's not what I was getting at. Salvation works in these ways. I want you to understand how it works. It works in the way that it was an act of God, it has happened. Okay, when you receive salvation, 100% when you declare Jesus Christ as Lord and you believe in your heart that he raised from the dead on the third day, you are saved and you submit your life to Christ, you are saved immediately. If the person on their deathbed accepts Jesus Christ but does not have time to do any deeds to show that that faith is real, are they going to hell? No, they are 100% saved. Please understand that. Nothing you can do. Salvation was a work of God. It is also a present experience. It is the act of salvation. We are being saved. It's called sanctification. We are continually being saved. We are moving into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And then we will be saved. We're just saying at the end of time, when all of heaven and earth are revealed to one another, at the great resurrection, we will be saved. That is our hope, and these are true facts about salvation. James is focusing on the second one of those, the present experience of salvation. Those of you who are being saved, you are to show that you are truly being saved, there should be good deeds that are coming forth out of your life. Not acts of the law, good deeds, caring for one another. When someone comes into our assembly and they're poor or they need help, we should care for them. We shouldn't say, hey, well, good luck. Hey, well, you know, you should, McDonald's is having a sale. Go get a burger. That's what he's saying. Don't do that. That is lip service. It's not salvation. That's not salvation working through you. That is dead faith. Now, I might get in trouble for telling you this illustration, but that's okay. Okay. Because we're now podcasting, and if this goes on the internet, oh, well. I won't use the girl's name. My best friend, Patrick, had a girlfriend. Her name started with and ended with... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not even going to go there. He had a girlfriend, and we're in high school. And when... They, you know, they were dating and stuff, and we wanted to three-way call this girl because, you know, that's the mature thing to do. If he didn't think that she was treating him right, let's three-way call her. I'll ask her questions. Patrick's on the line. Hey, this is great. We're not going to get caught. So I called her number. I called Patrick first, said, this is what I'm going to ask her. This is what we're going to talk about. And Patrick said, yeah, make sure you ask this and this and, and see if she really likes me, man. If not, then I'm ready to just move on. Okay, cool. So we called this girl who has no name. And when we called her, you know, I was talking to her, hey, how do you really feel about Patrick? She was very honest with me. And in fact, I thought, man, he probably shouldn't be on the line. And uh, <laughs> so we were talking and we continued to talk. And she said, okay, well, I got to go. I said, okay, good. I got to do some homework and such and such. And she hung up. Patrick goes, man, you still there? I said, I'm still here, man. He goes, whoa, she is rude. I said, I know. She is mean. And we just started bashing this girl, talking about how horrible of a person we thought she was. She has no right to say what she's saying, going on and on and on. I don't know if I've ever talked that much in three minutes in my life. And then I stopped, oh, and I breathed. And I w- we were laughing, and I heard this. I heard, I'm still here. And I, oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yes, you are. And I did what any smart guy would do. I said, you know, we were just testing you, that's all we really care for you. We knew you were there. And I tried it. Oh, no. I said, Patrick, are you still there? And I waited. And he said, yep. That's it. Yep. And she was upset. We lost her as a friend. Rightfully so. I'm not proud of what I did. What I'm saying is, Patrick and this girl, it almost slipped. This, I'm going to stop with this illustration. They were dating at the moment that they decided to be dating. Hey, I like you, you like me too, let's go out, let's start dating. Their boyfriend and girlfriend, they hold that title. His deeds did not show that they were dating. In fact, in all reality, they just were not together because of the way he was treating her and they were, their relationship was going down the drain. There were no deeds to show that the relationship was true. Okay, we can't be that way with Christ. We can't be someone who professes and, and likes the idea of the relationship and it goes just that far and then that's it. We must be someone who our deeds, our actions, the way that we uh, speak, that all needs to show that we are serving Jesus. Because what you do shows who you serve. And if you don't show that you're serving Jesus, has he really changed your life? That's what James is saying. That faith is dead. Unfortunately, that's called dead faith. James then continues. So again, I'm not going to take time to apply this. I just want us to understand I'll apply the last type of faith. He continues with the second type of faith. It's not a good faith. In fact, just the wording of this point is going to make you uncomfortable, but let's just read it. It starts in verse 18. It says, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Yay. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is is useless, okay? This second type of faith that is useless, that he's still talking to us, unfortunately, is a demon-like faith. Oh, that makes us not feel right. But I'm, I'm saying that in the same way that James is saying, hey, you have faith that God exists. Give yourself a round of applause. So do the demons. There was in, um, you have to know, James is talking to a Jewish Christian audience. I, in the Jewish culture, they had a creed called Shema. That creed was based on Deuteronomy 6 4, which practically, or, I mean, basically said this paraphrase Hear, O Israel, that God is one, that God is one. Okay, he's referring back to that. He's saying, you Jews that have become Christian, you have received salvation, but you're just not acting that out. Your faith is dead, and now it's almost demon-like because you believe in Jesus, you believe in God, congratulations. Because look, demons are not atheists. They're not agnostic either. They don't believe in Allah. They don't believe in Buddha. No, demons believe in Yahweh. They believe in God. God. They believe in the Trinity. Not only do they believe in one God, they believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. They believe in the atonement. They believe in the Bible. They know the Bible. That's what James is saying. It's not enough. He's taking the first point a little bit deeper to just know about God and like the idea of him. And then he continues and he says, and they shudder. Look, they even react to God to a certain extent. God, the idea of God, of Jesus, can stir your hearts, but if you do not submit your will to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. If you don't do that, you have just been touched by the intellect, it's maybe stirred your heart a little bit, but you said, you know, I like being my own person. You have to submit your will to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, because listen, what you receive, salvation that you receive, it should change you so much that from the inside out are coming deeds. Now, it's not saying that you are saved by your deeds. It's saying that the salvation that is true, that produces dynamic faith in your life, should truly should result in good deeds and you caring for one another and you loving God and he is saying pretty much you can judge one another's faith by their good deeds okay the verse that people know around the world that don't even read the Bible is judge not lest you be judged I mean you could be sitting with someone that's eating like a supersized Big Mac meal and look at them and just raise one eyebrow and they'll say judge not lest you be judged You've never opened the Bible in your life, man. Where'd you hear that? It's a very well-known verse. And what James is saying is, you know, that verse is obviously saying we don't judge by the outward appearance. What James is saying here is you can judge other people's faith by their good deeds. Now, please understand, don't just take that and point that out. You also need to judge yourself. Am I producing, have I truly been changed? Have I truly been changed? If I have, am I not showing it? Is my faith really the kind of faith that Jesus calls me to live? You n- cannot just be touched by the intellect, by the good idea of God. You cannot just have your heart stirred a little bit. You have to submit your will. When, if you don't, you've made a decision not to declare him as Lord. Maybe as Savior, just not as Lord. Watch this clip. Jesus, I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I figure he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to go with me? No. <laughs> no? Why? Uh, what I mean is, uh, I don't know. Um, so let me check my schedule, and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. okay. Well, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You want me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? You're sure. I'm sure. Okay. So let's start over. Okay. All right. Kat, uh, I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're going to say, but um, you, you don't know the whole situation, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. Well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure, Jesus? You don't understand pressure. <laughs> me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I I didn't think it was going to be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not going to take it. You have to give it to me. Okay, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. Hmm. So she liked the idea of Jesus. It, Jesus even touched her heart, even, even stirred her heart a little bit. But when it came to truly surrendering her free will to God's sovereign will, it just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen. So that's the bad news, that those are the two types of faith that sometimes Christians can get stuck in a rut in. That's Dead faith, okay, which is really, you like the idea of Christ, and then almost demon-like faith, that is that you may even respond to God, but you're just not willing to give your will over to him, because when deeds are produced, it goes through your will, and that's the bad news. Here's the good news. The last type of faith is this. Let's first read the scriptures, and we'll get to the last type of faith. It says in verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see, that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see, that man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now, if, if I just want to tell you what bothers me the most out of this. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. We're going to get to that, okay? If you're like clenching your fists in anger, welcome to James. Okay, we're going to get to that part of James but this last part of faith is the best type of faith and the faith we all should have it's called dynamic faith okay this is real faith when i say dynamic faith i want you guys to say is living faith okay dynamic faith okay again dynamic faith one more time till we get it really in our hearts dynamic faith Okay, dynamic faith is living, it is active, it is real, it is what James called saving faith. Dynamic faith is what Christians should have. When you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior in your mind, through your will, and and in the feelings of your heart, when you receive Him over all your uh, faculties, you are truly changed with a dynamic faith. With a dynamic faith. Please understand, this can be confusing when he talks about Abraham was justified by his works. He was not saved by his works. But from people looking at Abraham's story, you could see his faith was real, the faith that he received when he believed in God, because it says in Genesis 15 that Abraham, it was accredited as righteousness to him when he believed in God. That salvation, you could see, was real, because 30 years later, about 30 years later, he sacrificed, he was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. You could see his faith was real by the works that he did, by the deeds that he did. Salvation, when we receive Jesus Christ, um, it, there's a good illustration for that. It's in a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. If you've never read the book The Pilgrim's Progress, I encourage you to read it. It's by John Bunyan, it is a great piece of literature for those of us who are on this Christian journey. And in that, there's a character named Christian, okay? And Christian is being led by another character named Interpreter. Interpreter is the Holy Spirit figure in this book. And Christian, being led, goes to this room, and this room has dust all over the floor. And Christian says, what is this room? And the Interpreter says, this is a man's heart. And then someone comes in and starts sweeping up the dust off the floor, and it really doesn't go into a dustpan. It goes into the air, and Christian starts coughing, and then... A lady comes in, interpreter calls the lady in, and her name is the gospel. And she sprinkles water on the ground, and then she starts to sweep it into a dustpan. And Christian looks at interpreter and asks the question, interpreter says, this is a man's heart. And when a man's heart is trying to be cleaned up by the law, by, pretty much by his good works, it just ends up choking the, the person. But when you allow the gospel to do the sweet work, it gets done. That's the truth. Look, you you are not saved by your works, okay? You are saved by Jesus Christ. Your works, your deeds, prove to those onlookers your salvation. So, dynamic faith. If we're truly to have dynamic faith, we have to understand this. This is important that we understand. We're going to go to the two verses that everybody's like. They think that these two verses combat with each other. It's very important to understand fully what salvation is, how it works, and How our faith should look, we need to understand that James and Paul are not enemies, okay? They didn't try to kill each other as children. No, they like each other, okay? Let's look at James. Go ahead and put that verse up. Thank you. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. James. It's like a punch to the face. Look at that. Okay, James is really saying, again, let's understand, James is talking to people who are convinced. That it's okay to be lazy once you accept Jesus Christ. That's who James is talking to. In that, James is saying, you are not, okay? You are not justified by your faith because your faith is not real. That's what James is saying. Let's go to the second verse with Paul. Paul says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee. Paul really tried to find salvation in works, if you remember that, and Paul is speaking to a whole nother crowd of people. It's not that they're fighting with each other, James and Paul. They're actually fighting two separate enemies of the gospel. James is fighting lazy Christians. Paul is fighting people who want to receive salvation. They just don't know that Jesus Christ is the only way. Paul would 100% agree with James. James would 100% agree with Paul. It's really a check of the motivation. People who try to find salvation in works they are motivated because they want to be with Jesus, and they think that if they do something wrong, that they are not going to heaven, that they're going to hell, and they need to make up with that, with, they need to make that up by better works. That's their motivation. People who have been truly saved, their motivation for doing good deeds is because they want to thank God. They really are convinced Jesus Christ has filled their soul. Jesus Christ is who they need to be like. And because they are convinced in their mind, in their heart, and in their will, they do good deeds because they're thanking God. It's it's an act of gratitude, not an act of salvation. It's an act of gratitude. And that's the difference. So please don't think that these two verses are offensive to one another. No, they're really complimenting one another. If you're in the boat that James is speaking to a lazy Christian, he's saying change your faith to that of a dynamic believer. If you're Paul and you're trying to act in good ways just to receive salvation, please look at Paul's words. As he says, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. That's it. That's it. Okay, please understand that. There are some questions. Obviously, the scripture talks about Abraham and Rahab. And I, and I explained to you what that means for Abraham. Rahab was different than Abraham. Abraham was a Jew. Rahab was someone who did not believe in God. Abraham was a friend of God. Rahab was a prostitute. She was a harlot. She was an innkeeper, whatever you want to call it. She was an enemy of God, to be quite frank with you. And when she chose to be on God's side, truly that was shown by her receiving the spies and taking care of them. And being on God's side, it was shown. So us onlookers can say her faith was real. Her faith was real. Here are some questions to ask ourselves to really apply this to our lives about our faith. And I just encourage you, if, if I get the worship band, because we're going to go into a response time here in a second. These are questions to ask ourselves. Is our faith first dead? Is it demon-like? Or is it dynamic? Because dynamic faith is what? Living faith. Living faith. Thank you, Patrick. These are some questions. Was there a time when I realized I was a sinner and openly admitted this to myself and to God? Was there a time when I realized I was a sinner and openly admitted this to myself and to God? Did I allow Jesus to save me from these sins and choose to follow him as Savior and Lord? Did I sincerely repent of my sins and turn from them, or do I secretly love them? Do I enjoy the living relationship I have with Jesus Christ, and do I want to share him with others? Do I enjoy the fellowship with God's people? Is worship a delightful act to me? Am I ready for the Lord's return? What's different about the basic salvation message in this is that this is geared towards believers. This is a check in our spirits. This is the Holy Spirit asking us, what type of faith do you have? Because it just faith that does not show good deeds is not a good working faith. It doesn't work. Because true salvation changes you. And to show that change from the inside out, good deeds will flow. We're going to go into a response time, and I, I honestly, um, you know, usually when we go into this time, we take time obviously we we think to ourselves and